Men and women are created by God with equal value and equal worth. But as Barbara Rainey points out, there are some things women can do that men will never be able to do. Only women are designed by God to conceive and bear children, and that sets them apart from men. So they're life givers, but they're also nurturers. Women are prone to nurturing life in other people or in other things. Um, And it's not that men don't do that. There are a lot of men who are pastors who nurture life in their congregation. But it's a unique calling in a woman's life to be made to give life and to nurture that life after it's born. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. As parents, we have to help our children understand that when God created them as either boys or girls, He had more than just biological function in mind. That's controversial, but we're going to talk about it today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. If you were sitting down with a group of parents today and and you were saying one of the issues you're going to have to address as you raise your kids is the issue of their identity, I think what we're going to talk about today is where they would go immediately because in our culture, the issue of gender identity, sexual identity, that's right at the heart of how we think about ourselves in this new century. And you better know how to help your child address the issue not after it happens but before it happens. Barbara Rainey, my wife of 46 years, has been all great, sweetheart, every year. Really? Better than the previous one. <laughs> yes, thinking, they are getting better. <laughs> <laughs> you need to hear that announced announce here on the radio, didn't you? Yeah. You yeah. wrote about it in your book, Letters to My Daughters. I know, I did. I told you you should have made me look better in there, <laughs> but you didn't. Anyway, I didn't. we're talking about another new book we've written called The Art of Parenting, and uh, we're covering... One of the four major areas that the book is built around, we believe that parenting biblically has uh, four biblical components. One, teaching your child how to relate to God and to one another. It's the great commandment. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Number two, the second component is that of character. That's choosing right and not wrong. It's the book of Proverbs, living a wise life and not a foolish one third area we're talking about today and have been all this week so far is the area of identity. And today we're going to talk about sexual identity. And the last uh, component of parenting is one we'll talk about here in a few weeks, which is teaching your child how to have a sense of mission and purpose to be about what God has for him or her all their lives. But I want to come back to this subject of uh, sexual identity, and I want to, I want to read a story by Jackie Hill Perry, and she is a spoken word artist. She's going to be a guest on Family Life Today coming up in a few weeks. That's right. She told a story that is a present tense story about her own struggle growing up around her own sexual identity, and rather than tell it, I want to read her words. She says, I understand how it feels to be in love with a woman, to want nothing more than to be with her forever. Feeling as if the universe has played a cruel joke on your heart by allowing you to fall into the hands of a creature that looks just like you. She goes on, at the age of 17, I finally made the decision to pursue these desires. I enjoyed these relationships and loved these women a lot. And it came to the point that I was willing to forsake all, including my soul, 
to enjoy their love on earth. At the age of 19, my superficial reality was shaken up by a deeper love, one from the outside, one that I'd heard of before but never experienced. My eyes were opened, and I began to believe everything God says in His Word. I began to believe that what He says about sin, death, and hell were completely true. She concludes with this. God put this impression on my heart. He said, Jackie, you have to believe that my word is true even if it contradicts how you feel. Wow, she writes, this is right. Either I trust in his word or I trust my own feelings. Either I look to him for the pleasure my soul craves or I search for it in lesser things. Either I walk in obedience to what he says, or I reject his truth as if it were a lie. Bob, I think she nails it, because I think we have a generation that is living life according to their feelings, and they really don't know what they believe and what they're committed to from the scriptures. And this is why parents have to listen up. You all need to take your assignment about educating training, and equipping your sons and daughters to know how to navigate one of the most treacherous subjects they're ever going to face on the planet, the issue of sexual identity. It all begins at birth, and it's not long thereafter that that's when sex education begins. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back a generation ago when we were talking about helping boys understand what it means to be a boy and girls understand what it means to be a girl back decades ago. It was a very different conversation than the one that parents are dealing with today, in part, Barbara, because there were some gender stereotyping going on back then that was not healthy, Mm -hmm. where we said this is how boys should act and think, and this is how girls should act and think, and and we got a little too compartmentalized and a little too boxy Mm -hmm. and and put some artificial, arbitrary uh, markers around those things. But today... We are questioning whether gender is just a a construct in our brains or whether it's really tied to our biology, and parents are stymied about how to deal with this. They really are, and it is a very different arena than what we had because we were were deciding what we believed girls could do. Primarily, it was what girls could do and couldn't do because when I grew up, there were no sports offered for girls in my high school. When our girls grew up, there were some sports offered for girls in high school, but not all of them. And so there has been a a shift over the years. Today, almost all sports are available for girls, but it's not just what girls can do. It's are you a girl or not? And are you a boy or not? So the pendulum has gone way, way, way the other direction. And our children know of couples in their communities who are same-sex couples who are raising children or couples who are male and female who are raising their children to choose who they want to be. They're naming their children neutral names so that they can be either a boy or a girl when they grow up and decide what they want to be. And we've read stories online uh, about moms and dads who are purposefully withholding any gender differentiation Mm -hmm. from a child so that when that child gets to be older, they can decide 
how they want to express their gender. That's a very different approach than what the Bible seems to teach us about God creating us male and female. Yeah, Genesis 1.27, God speaks and he doesn't stutter. He said he made them male and female. Three times in a, a matter of 22 words, he makes it very clear he created two sexes to reflect his image, who he was as Almighty God. I'll never forget talking to uh, Stephen Kendrick, the movie producer, author, and a good friend who made this statement to me. He said, the God who made you is the God who has the authority to define you. I really like that mm-hmm. because we want to self-identify. And you know what that is? That's nothing more than Genesis chapter 3, yeah. the rebellion of Adam and Eve saying, you know what? I know better than God. I will define myself. It doesn't matter that you said male and female. He made you. I've got feelings. And those feelings are back to what Jackie Hill Perry was talking about. They're more legitimate than God's word. And so what parents have to do is they have to do this dance. And I got to tell you, my hat goes off to parents today who are attempting this. You have to teach the Bible, but have tremendous compassion and train your children to know how to love people who don't think and believe like they do. They're going to grow up in a culture increasingly that is not going to stand for them taking a hard stand based upon what what the Scriptures teach. And so I think it's all the way back to when a child is a baby and a toddler. It's interesting to me that the first question we ask when the baby is born— if you don't know ahead of time. You wait. When the baby is born, you find out about this at 12 weeks when you look at the ultrasound. All except our daughter and her husband. Yeah. Who decided, because they got married a little later in life, they weren't going to know. They refused to look at the images, and they were going to do the ultimate reveal <laughs> when the baby was born. Mm-hmm. And so here was little, little Lincoln Timothy Drees, born on uh, the same day that Abraham Lincoln gave his Gettysburg Address. And we all found out together. Josh said, Laura's husband, he said, you know, it's the only thing that the man gets to do is announce it. (laughs) (laughs) And he wanted to announce it. And he wanted wanted to announce it. Well, you know, that's the beginning of sex education. How you treat your son, how you treat your daughter, beginning in those infant years and then moving on through, up through the toddler years into elementary. I used to have a little slide I used, and uh, it was a picture of a pair of parents taking a baby and tossing a child over a fence to a bunch of wolves. And it was the picture of the world. The world will educate your child if you don't. I can testify to that. Mm -hmm. I didn't find out about the birds and the bees from my mom and dad. I found out from Jimmy Fletcher, eighth grade, believe it or not. That was a long time ago. Walking in the snow, he told me, and I could not believe it. It's not the way a young man or a boy needs to find out, or that, for that matter, a young lady either. I think that sacred privilege occurs when we take our children's hands in ours and we explain to them the maker of Male and female also made this mystery called sex, and it really is wonderful in marriage. Barbara, this issue of a child's gender identity or sexual identity, and and I understand there are folks today who would say those are different, that gender is in your head Mm -hmm. and sex is your biology, and it it can get very tricky. In fact, this section in the book was, I think, wasn't this the last 
section that you wrote and the one you struggled with the most? I think it was, actually, now that you say that. I can't believe you remembered that, and I forgot. <laughs> well, we we called him and read some yeah, of it, Yeah, we did. Yeah. said, Bob, this is way tough, because we're, t- we're handling some thorny issues. Yeah, here. it was the hardest one to write, and it was the last one we turned in. You're exactly right. And yep. it's because it it's challenging to know how to address it. It's challenging to know how to talk about it, because we didn't want to say something in print that would be misinterpreted or communicate the wrong thing, and so we worked really hard on it. So when you're sitting down with parents today and say, we want to teach our daughters how to be girls and our sons how to be boys, I always flash back to something that my son heard at a youth group retreat when the speaker said, you know, boys and girls are different. Guys like sports and girls like to read books. (laughs) <laughs> well, my son liked to read books right, yeah. and didn't like sports all that much. And so he came <laughs> home thinking, so what's wrong with me? Am I a girl? We want to make sure we're not presenting cultural stereotypes about maleness and femaleness. Mm-hmm. But the Bible does indicate that there's more to it than just our biological makeup. Yeah, the Bible makes it really clear that he made us different. One thing that I did is is I spent a lot of time just reading Genesis 1 and 2 and reading what God did when he made Adam and Eve and how were they different before sin entered the world. And it was really instructive what God said to each of them and how he related to both of them equally, um, that they were both created with equal value and equal worth, but they have differences. And I think the other thing that really helps, too, is to understand that The reason God made two, he made male and female, is that it takes both of us together to reflect who God is. So that's why he calls marriage a picture of Christ and the church. It's that relationship between a man and a woman, ultimately in marriage, that more fully represents the character and who God is. And so women have some strengths that are God-designed and God-ordained that men don't. And there's overlap in all of them, but women tend to have greater strengths in some areas, and men have greater strengths in some areas. That's not to say they're mutually exclusive, because they're not. So, it's keeping an open mind to what were God's original intentions in the beginning, and not looking at what the culture does, or making generalizations like that speaker did when your son was at youth camp. I can tell you this. uh, I think we work close to 40 hours on this chapter. Because it's it's filled with landmines. And what we wanted to do was say no more than what Scripture teaches, but no less. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to apologize for the design that God made. So let me just tell you, you can read the chapter and decide for yourself. But here's what we said was the essence of raising a boy to become a man. We believe that men were designed by God to be warriors and protectors. Doesn't mean that a woman can't be a warrior, can't be a protector. Of course, mothers do those things. But we believe that God designed a man to be a protector and a warrior. Secondly, men were made to initiate and lead with love and self-sacrifice. They weren't to be dictators, but they were to deny themselves, to give up their lives for their wives. It's interesting, Bob, there's been a fresh... um, dialogue recently about uh, the Titanic and about men giving up their seat on a lifeboat for a woman. That's what men do. They sacrifice. They put women ahead of them themselves and help women become all that God wanted them to be. 
The third area is men were called to be providers. They were designed by God to provide for their families. Does that mean that a woman can't provide? Of course not. So these three descriptors of men, we believe is what God designed in man originally before the fall, that even after the fall, God really gave him the responsibility to carry out. But we believe there is a difference between men and women. And we saw also by looking at Genesis 1 and 2 that there are some interesting uniquenesses in women that, again, are not exclusive, 100% exclusive to women, but do set them apart from men. And one is is that women are life givers, and we know that because men can't conceive and bear children. Only women are designed by God to conceive and bear children, and that sets them apart from men. So they're life givers, but they're also nurturers. Women are prone to nurturing life in other people or in other things. And it's not that men don't do that. It's not that men can't do that. There are a lot of men who are pastors who nurture life in their congregation. But it's a unique calling in a woman's life to give life, to be made to give life, and to nurture that life after it's born. And the other one that we saw uniquely in Genesis is that women were fashioned to be helpers. And it's interesting to me that God called Eve that, and even before she was named Eve, um, God said he would make a helper for Adam. So helper is a part of what, the way we define a wife and what a wife does. But it's interesting to me that God called Eve helper before she was married to Adam. And so I think there is an intuitive sense in women that we are helpers, that we're completers, and that, as I mentioned earlier, together a woman and a man in marriage reflect a different quality, different picture of who God is than we can alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a part of how God made us as women, and it's a part of our DNA. It's a part of our our wiring and our makeup that God made that is different from the way he made men. So the mom who's listening who says, I I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to teach my boy to be a warrior, and I'm going to teach my daughter to be a leader, and you say those are masculine qualities, and I'm just not buying into that. Well, I can answer that because I think it's absolutely true that women can be warriors. I fought for my children. I fought for my children in school to make sure they had the best teachers. I fought to keep my children pure and untarnished as much as I possibly could by the world by excluding certain music and putting limits on screens and devices and phones and monitoring relationships. And I think that's what we tried to say in this chapter in the book is that this isn't something that is only available for men or this isn't something that's only a part of being a woman. It's just that there are different, maybe different proportions or different strengths within that. But Dennis is called to be a warrior and a protector, but I'm still a warrior and a protector too in our family with our kids. And so I think it's calling out that quality that God built into our sons when they're little boys. It's praising them when they protect somebody on the playground. It's praising them when they help someone or fix something and make it better. It's not saying that they're exclusive. And I think that's where we get into trouble is saying that these qualities that God built in us are exclusive. And that's where we set up boxes and we make things rigid. But we trust that God made us different as men and women, and we allow to flourish what is there. 
men and women are of equal value, and yet they are different. And for us to take what God has made and to try to mix them together and homogenize the sexes without recognizing what God was embedding in young men, wanting to call them up and call them out to be the protectors of their families and to call a young lady to be a nurturer, a life giver, and the nobility of that. There's nothing second rate about that if she doesn't become a leader. I think I have a problem, Bob with someone who who would attack this, but who doesn't have their own model from the scriptures built out. Here's what I'd say. Read our book. Take a look at this chapter, but then decide, what do we think the Bible teaches? And what are we going to build into our children? And then stay consistent with that all the way to the end. Because I got a feeling if you look all the way out to the end, you're going to see that there really is a divine design in boys and in girls that honors God, but it is different. One of the things I've always come back to here is uh, general revelation. God has made boys with more testosterone mm-hmm. than girls mm-hmm. and girls with more estrogen than boys. That's right. And those hormones have a different effect on how we act out. So boys are more naturally aggressive because they have more testosterone. Girls are more naturally nurturing because they have more estrogen. And we have to pull back and say, why did God make boys and girls with those different hormones at play? What was his design in that? And we got to be careful about the conclusions we draw, but we have to acknowledge there is a difference here, and Mm -hmm. it's observable. It's not something that developed in evolutionary biology. This is something that's a part of divine design that's present in all boys and all girls. That's right. I think a good way to summarize all of this is to go back to the story that you told Dennis at the beginning of the broadcast by Jackie Hill Perry. She had to come to a place of deciding, do I trust God? Do I trust Him and His Word and His design? And really, it comes back to that for every mom and dad, every mom and dad listening, every mom and dad reading our book. Will we trust God's design and that He knew what He was doing and gave us the children he wanted us to have, and he has a plan for those children. Because really, it comes back to trusting his design. I don't understand it. We've probably done a terrible job even explaining it in our book, because it's just it was just that hard. But it's because we're, tr- we're humans, and we're trying to understand the mind of God, and who can do that? And because we can't, Our conclusion is we are going to trust him. We're going to trust God's design that he knows what he's doing. Here's a key question for every mom and dad. You're thinking about your child's gender and sexuality. Is it more influenced and shaped by the time you've spent in Scripture Mm -hmm. or by the time you've spent on social media or on blog posts or websites? Or with your peers. That's right. Because I think what we've got going on today is a culturally shaped approach to gender rather than a biblically approached shape to gender. And that's where you guys have said, if we're going to shape our our child's thinking, let's go back to what the Bible has to say. And we may apply some of this imperfectly, but if we make that our starting place, we're going to be in a better place by the time we're done than if we that's start right. with what the culture is saying. That's Over the right. past 26 years, uh, Bob and I have had a privilege of uh, interviewing a lot of great people. One of them was uh, Elizabeth Elliot, a true hero of the Christian faith. And uh, one of the things that she said was this, if it sounds like the world, smells like the world, thinks like the world, then it's probably the thinking mm-hmm. of the world. 
And if it goes contrary to the world, if it's counterintuitive to what the culture is saying, it's likely scriptural (laughs) because the Bible's not going to call you to emulate what the world is teaching, what the world is doing. And I just think parents need to think. They need to think this through, pray it through. It's not going to be easy. I know this. I think these issues are among the most important this generation of parents are facing. And you need to think this through and think it through very, very carefully. Well, and part of the way you can do that is to get together with a group of parents and do a book study. Have everybody go through a chapter at a time your book, The Art of Parenting. We've got copies of the book in our Family Life Today Resource Center. You can order the book from us online at familylifetoday.com or call to order at 1-800-FL-TODAY. If you'd rather go through a video series, we've got The Art of Parenting video series, eight sessions. Each session is about 30, 35 minutes long with discussion questions and interaction that follows. And the book and the video series, we just want to mention, these are really two different experiences because the content in the video series connects to what's in the book, but there's a lot in the book that's not in the video series, and there's stuff in the video series that's not in the book. So you really get the full experience when you have both the book and you go through the video series. Again, find out more about The Art of Parenting videos and the book, The Art of Parenting, when you go to familylifetoday.com. And let me talk to those of you who are regular listeners to Family Life Today. If you have listened for a long time and you've never donated to support this ministry, or if you're a regular listener and it's been a while since you've made a donation, we would love to send you a copy of Dennis and Barbara's new book, The Art of Parenting, as a way of saying thank you when you make a donation to support the ministry. Family Life Today is listener-supported. Our mission is to effectively develop godly marriages and families because we believe godly marriages and families can change the world, one home at a time. And so that's our focus. We want to provide practical, biblical help and hope for marriages and families. That's what this daily radio program is all about. Our website, familylife.com, provides help and hope on an ongoing basis. Our weekend to remember getaways, the resources we create— We're here to help encourage and strengthen marriage and family relationships. And again, if you can help us with a donation so that this ministry can grow and advance and do even more in the coming year, we'd like to say thank you by sending you a copy of The Art of Parenting by Dennis and Barbara Rainey. Donate online at familylifetoday.com or call to donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY. And thanks in advance for your support. We appreciate you locking arms with us and being a significant part of how God is working through this ministry. And we hope you can join us back tomorrow. We're going to talk about lies that men commonly fall prey to, lies men believe. That's the title of a new book by our friend Robert Walgamuth. He's going to be joining us tomorrow. And we hope you can join us as well. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.